This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 26, another Wisdom Wednesday. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello everyone, MC Lobster here and welcome to another Wisdom Wednesday. You better put your seatbelt on for today's show as I'm going to cover qualified retirement plans in today's episode. Obviously living in the United States, I will focus in discussing 401ks, 403bs and IRAs, but many countries have similar programs or plans. In Canada, for instance, they have a registered retirement savings plan or RRSPs and tax-free savings account, or TFSA, and in Australia, they have a superannuation, and in Japan, they even call their structure a 401k. Now, qualified retirement plans, along with home ownership, is a very, very sacred cow that cannot be questioned or examined by anyone without getting a severe emotional response from most people. So, the reason for that in my opinion, is that most people have all of their money in qualified retirement plans and their homes. So I'm probably not making a lot of friends by even questioning these vehicles. If home ownership and qualified retirement plans are such great ideas, they will stand up to the scrutiny and critical evaluation. I know in our modern society today, all the supposedly good ideas we are fed by self-interested parties should go unquestioned and not be evaluated on merit at all and we should accept them all as truth, but this is not that type of show. Now, obviously, I'm going to give you my honest opinion about qualified retirement plans and just some stuff that I've uncovered through my research, but again, I want you to question every single point that I make and do your own research. I definitely do not want to tell you what to think or how to think or how you should feel about this. Please do your own research and form your own opinion. This is my opinion. I have a very contrarian view that will be very different from what you've heard from your financial advisor, the financial media, your employer, your family, and friends. So I'm not trying to persuade you. I'm sharing my opinion. Again, please do your own research. By giving you my honest opinion, I hope this will serve as a catalyst for you to do your own research, due diligence, and fact-checking, and then form your own independent opinion. We really have to question everything. As Josh Billings once said, as a general rule, if you want to get the truth, you're both sides and believe neither. <laughs> but again, so, you know, I've mentioned this before in previous shows. I've always wondered that why, if only a small minority of people truly build real lasting wealth, why do we follow the financial advice that the majority of people follow that never do build real lasting wealth? If you were told something that wasn't true, wouldn't you want to know about it? The majority of people actually do the exact opposite what they need to do financially in order to build lasting wealth and achieve financial security. Trillion-dollar industries, including the finance industry, housing industry, and college industry, spent millions of dollars in marketing and advertisements. So you really have to question all the information that's coming from these industries. 
In my opinion, investing and saving, which is not really saving, in a well-diversified portfolio of mutual funds inside of qualified retirement plans, 401k, 403b, and IRAs, is the worst financial advice you can follow. Not only is this the riskiest financial strategy for anybody, but it also exposes your money and wealth to the biggest wealth destroyers, inflation, taxes, and fees. Those three are huge wealth destroyers. But still, this is the advice that most people follow. There's approximately $24.7 trillion, It's probably more now. That's just what I found when I originally did my research, which was a couple of months ago, in retirement assets in the United States that account for about 36% of all household financial assets. Now, there's a law, Willie Sutton's law. Willie Sutton was a very, very famous bank robber. And when Willie Sutton was caught and they asked him, so Willie, why banks? Why do you rob banks? And Willie Sutton just kind of looked at them and said, well, I rob banks because that's where all the money was kept. Same thing here. 36% of all household financial assets is right there in qualified retirement plans. So remember Willie Sutton's law where there is a lot of money altogether in one place. It makes it very, very easy for people that want to steal your wealth that, to do it. So I've put together a couple of points that I'll go over for our discussion today. The first one is the system is unproven. The baby boomer generation will be the first to test a system using 401ks, 403bs, and IRAs to retire. Nobody's ever used this to retire. They've usually had pensions, social security, personal savings, and life insurance vehicles. So there's no proven track record. So yet many people believe this as gospel, that they'll be able to retire by putting a percentage of their page, every paycheck in these vehicles. The second point is there's easy entry but no exit strategy. I mean, you basically have to have a pulse and be employed for your employer just to enroll you in it. The system is very easy to get into and very hard to get out of. That alone should be a huge red flag. There are early withdrawal penalties, unfair borrowing rules, tax implications, misleading incentives to keep your money in these plans for as long as possible. I mean, the, the Pension Protection Act of 2006, this cracks me up. You know, it always has basically the reverse meaning of what, what these acts and laws are named after. States that employees upon joining a company are automatically enrolled into 401k plans by default and at a default savings contribution rate with automatic increases of their contributions over time. These contributions are allocated to the company's chosen default investment. Very interesting. Employees have to opt out of enrollment and can change the contribution rate, but they have to take action in order to do so. So you have to tell them, hey, I, I, wanna, I do not want to be in these plans. So automatically enroll you. Employers can also override investment selections if they believe poor investment decisions are ongoing and direct investments to the default mutual funds that the employer thinks is a better fit. So it doesn't really matter what you want to do with your money and what you think is a good decision. They can just override it because it's in the law to protect you from yourself. This law also gives the employer protection from liability when they implement the automatic enrollment into 401k plans. Huge. They're not even liable for this. They can do it. They can enroll you automatically in it and put it in mutual funds that they think is best for you, and there's 
zero liability on their part. It's impossible to sue them if you lose your money and the funds that they force you into. Why would the government do this? The third point I want to bring up is you don't own your retirement plan. If you look at the fine print, your 401k plan doesn't technically belong to you. Within the fine print, you'll find the acronym FBO, the for benefit of, which means you don't technically own your retirement plan, but is administered for benefit of you. If you have a brokerage account, you also don't own the stocks or mutual funds within that account. There are three basic ways that you can hold stocks. The street name registration, direct registration, or physical certificate. Street name registration is default unless you make special arrangements. Seed 7 company subsidiary of the depository trust company probably owns your stocks and you own the registered owner. The DDC holds the shares for your broker and your broker holds the shares for you. The companies that you are the beneficial owner of really have no record of you. Number four, you have zero control over your qualified retirement plan and the mutual funds in them. There are contribution restrictions and withdrawal restrictions on when and how you can withdraw money without penalties and fees at age 59 and a half. Afterwards, you are forced, let me repeat that, you are forced to withdraw a required minimum distribution at age 70 and a half. It doesn't matter if the markets are up or down, if it's at all-time lows or all-time highs, you are forced to take a distribution. What if the market is at record lows and, you, and you're forced to take it? Qualified retirement plans also have limited investment options available to the participants. A question that you have to consider about do you have control over any of this is ask yourself these two questions. Do you have any control over the performance of the mutual funds in your plan? And the second question is can you influence the performance of the stock market and these mutual funds? That brings me to my fifth point. It offers no immediate cash flow. In some mutual funds and stocks, the company pay you dividends, but you have no access to the cash flow to put it to more productive use. So you can't take the cash flow, the dividends from there out of your plan. You have to keep it in the plan, again, as we've mentioned before. The most important part of any investment for professional investors is cash flow. And what most people do when they invest in mutual funds and qualified retirement plans is they're not investing for cash flow. They're investing for capital gains. And again, that's hoping and praying that the markets go up. So that's not really a sound financial plan to me. Then another point is the employer match myth. Everybody loves that one. Oh, but my employer gives me a certain percentage you know, and matches what I put in. Let me ask you this question. Do you really think companies all over the United States will just keep, give free money to pe employees? There's no such thing as Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, or free money. Actually, the Center for Retirement Research did a study based on tax data and showed that for every dollar an employer contributes to a 401k match, they pay on average 99% less in salary. Companies that don't offer employer-matched salaries pay higher salaries. So think about it. It's your money. If you don't have a qualified retirement plan, they need to pay a match to. You can negotiate a better salary or compensation. Employers also receive tax incentives to offer these qualified retirement plans and save money in the long run. And again, employers don't give you your match all at once, but spread it out over a span of four to six years. If you leave before the six years, you don't get the full match, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. 
the average time an employee stays with their employer is 4.6 years. There are also opportunities for revenue sharing between employers and retirement plan managers. This is 100% legal and a good way for employers to make back some of the money that they contribute towards your match. Another point, it only works when the stock market goes up. Again, if you invest for capital gains, the markets have to go up for your plan to work. Markets do three things. They go up, down, and sideways. Retirement plans only have a chance to succeed when it goes up. Next point, there's no downside protection, so you, you can be wiped out overnight. So let me ask you this question. Did your financial planner or retirement plan administrator use a stop loss to protect your portfolio and retirement in 2001 and 2008? CBS News once asked, what plan allows millions of people to lose 30 to 50% of their savings? And that ties into the next point. There's no guarantees. It states on the paperwork and all of these marketing brochures, past performance is no guarantee of future res results. The statement is openly admitted in every fancy marketing piece of a mutual fund. Stock markets are volatile and unpredictable with no guarantees or certainty. If you don't know much how you could possibly have in savings, investments, and retirement plans in 5, 10, 15, 20, or even 30 years, you really don't have a plan and you're just gambling. And I've mentioned this before too, you're forced to time the markets. Financial planners usually advise their clients to stay in the markets long term and ride out the wild roller coaster in their diversified portfolio. And they tell their clients, don't time the market because nobody can. Well, let me tell you this. Your financial advisor is 100% correct because nobody can time the market. But if you're keeping your money in, inside qualified retirement plans, you're doing exactly that. You're, tr you're trying to time the market because if you're planning on retiring at a certain age within that plan, you're betting and hoping that the market will be healthy enough at the time to have enough money to retire on. So what's the difference between that and timing the market? You're hoping that the market will be at all-time highs when you're taking out your money. What if the market crashes before you need your money? How about target date mutual funds? If 86% of a mutual fund managers cannot beat the market average S&P 500 index, how are they going to ensure that your money will be there when you need it? That's why many managers of target date mutual funds don't invest in the funds that they manage. By having your retirement money in an unpredictable, volatile vehicle, you're really forced to time the market when you want to retire. And then we get to the other big wealth destroyer, fees. Enormous continuous fees and commissions by retirement plan administrators and mutual fund companies can eat away almost half your gains. Have you looked at your statement? Have you read the fine print on fees? There are many undisclosed fees, including legal fees, trustee fees, transaction fees, stewardship fees, bookkeeping fees, finder fees, and more. Many mutual funds even charge you a marketing fee. I didn't make that up. It's called a 12B-1 fee. They charge you to market their products in order to lure more people into those vehicles. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. In addition to the commissions and trading fees, mutual funds inside retirement plans often take a 1% to 2% fee right off the top, regardless if your plan grows or not. This is the assets under management model. This doesn't, now, 1% to 2% doesn't sound like much, but again, 
you know, one of the big selling points is the magic of compound returns. I'm sure you've heard about that. It also applies to fees, and they compound as well. And Jack Bogle actually used an example where, well, they can eat up almost two-thirds of all your gains on average. A quote by Jack Bogle, what happens in the fund business is the magic of compound returns is overwhelmed by the tyranny of compound costs. John Bogle used an example in which a person invested $1,000 when they were 20 years old, which grew at the annual rate of 8% with a management fee of 2.5% per year. Now, again, that's higher than 1% to 2%, but let's just stick with the example that he used. The assumption was that the person passed away at 85. Over 65 years, the fees ate up 79% of what the investor would have earned without any fees. Garrett Gunderson also wrote an article, if you contribute $5,000 per year from 25 years old to 65, and if the fund goes up 7% per year, your money would turn into around 1,143,000. Yet you only get to keep 669,000 or less than 60%. That's because 7% compounding returns, hundreds of thousands more than 5% compounding return, and none of it goes to you. The 2% fee cuts their return exponentially. In the example above, by the time you turn 75, the mutual fund may have taken two-thirds of your gains. Another quote by Jack Bogle, do you really want to invest in a system where you put up 100% of the capital, you take 100% of the risk, and you get 30% of the return? So another point is, it's a horrible tax strategy. We've mentioned that taxes are one of the biggest wealth destroyers. So taxes different qualified retirement plans until you eventually take out the money during which you're forced to withdraw your money by required minimum distribution legislation. That's at 70 and a half years old. You have to take out your money. So there's a couple of problems with this. Your biggest tax write-offs and deductions, for example, your dependents, your home mortgage interest, etc., is in your younger working years that you won't have once you start taking money out of your retirement plans. You also have to ask yourself, is taxes going to go up or are they going to go down in the future? And again, if you've listened to this podcast, we like to limit and reduce the variables out there so we can plan better for our financial lives. So are taxes going to go up, down, or sideways in the future? I don't know. But what I would like to do is I'd like to at least reduce my exposure to that unknown variable. Now, I've mentioned already that you will have fewer write-offs, but you also have to take into account that taxes if historically in the United States are relatively low present day if you look at the entire tax history of the United States. Then you also have to look at it and say, well, government debt is over $19 trillion, and that number will only increase every year into the future because the elective leaders have already shown their inability to balance a budget and be fiscally responsible. We also have an aging population and an underfunded Social Security. We'll do a podcast on Social Security in the future, but Social Security is basically broke. Other programs, Medicare, Medicaid, and government programs and entitlements, you know, are severely underfunded, and somebody's going to have to pay for all this. The U.S. government is also projecting an increase of revenue in the future, so they're projecting an increase of taxes. Where do you think this money is going to come from? If you're planning to retire in a lower tax bracket when you retire, you really have to look at these trends. 
You have to put yourself in a position where you can control this. And again, as I mentioned, limit or reduce the unknown variables. My personal philosophy is I would rather pay my taxes now than later. I'd rather pay my taxes also on the seed rather than the harvest when it comes to investment strategies. Another thing to consider as far as taxes, a lot of people don't know this, but you also pay taxes within your retirement plan mutual funds itself because they sell and buy stocks within these funds and there's a tax liability. And if you read the fine print, you're the one paying for this. The only way you can make a mutual fund worse from a tax planning standpoint is putting it into a qualified retirement plan. A regular mutual fund also, when you buy it outside of a retirement plan, is taxed as portfolio income and is subject to capital gains tax, which is a lot less than earned income, which you pay it out when you take it out of the fund. So when you buy a fund inside a qualified retirement plan, it's taxed as earned income. Again, please speak to your tax advisor about this, but just from the information that some of my advisors have shared with me is that qualified retirement plans are great for taxes, just not for your taxes. And then that leads me into the next one, estate taxes. You know, the unborn and the deceased are prime tax targets for politicians because they can't vote. So qualified retirement plans, especially 401ks, are really easy targets for estate taxes. So when the proceeds are passed on to the next generation, they're subject to an estate tax and an income tax. Again, please speak to your tax advisor. That's just some general knowledge that I'm sharing with you. Another point, the opportunity costs for these plans are huge. So just think about it. You're giving up an opportunity to, to use your money to capitalize on other more profitable opportunities for the next 30 plus years and you're not getting any security, guarantee, certainty or predictability for it. Who will ever make a deal like that? Then also the lack of liquidity and access to easy savings. Now you can take a loan against these qualified retirement plans. Every plan is different so this is a general discussion on that. Most plan administrators only allow you to access your money for certain things, such as buying a house or hardship loans. You also can't access your money from these plans without selling your mutual funds in them. So when you take a loan out against your retirement plan and lose your job with your current employer, you have in most cases 60 days to pay back the loan or you'll be charged penalties and taxes on that loan amount. When you borrow against the retirement plan, it also reduces the magic of compounding growth since your balance draws down in your account. And the investment returns are horrible. There's a big difference between real, average, and actual returns. 86% of mutual fund managers failed to beat the market average, the S&P 500, in 2014. A very small percentage of hedge fund managers beat the market yearly. If the professionals struggle to beat the market average, what do you think that your financial planner's chances are to pick the funds that will beat the market average? A research firm called Dalbar Inc. reported that the average investor in asset allocation mutual funds, which diversifies your money in equities and fixed income funds, earned only 1.85% annually over the last 30 years, while official inflation averaged 28 Investors in equity funds got a 3.69 return over the last 30 years, which is almost two-thirds less than the return of the S&P 500 index over that same time. 
Safe fixed income funds returned 0.72% annually, also not keeping up with inflation. There's a very big difference between average return and real actual returns. The average return or performance of mutual funds in their prospectuses isn't the real return of the fund. One of the values and the principles of our podcast is self-reliance, independence, self-ownership, taking responsibility for your own life and forming and shaping your own future. And this ties into my next point because qualified retirement plans really leads to a neglect of stewardship, responsibility, and independence. Again, I've shared this with everyone. Nobody cares or will care about your money as much as you do. Why would you release all the responsibility and accountability and give your money to other people? Why would you want to be dependent on a financial advisor, an institution, and a stock market for your financial security? Why would you ever give up power over your own financial life and destiny? Another principle that I've talked about before is paying yourself first. The Richest Man in Babylon, the book by George S. Clayson, teaches this principle, and it's so powerful. You're the first one that needs to be paid. Before you pay anybody else, you need to pay yourself first. And with with qualified retirement plans, Wall Street now gets paid with the U.S. government before you do. Robert Castellone wrote in his book, Leap, Lifetime Economic Acceleration Process, that Financial institutions want your money, and they want it on a regular systematic basis, preferably through automatic withdrawals. Once they have your money, they want to hold on to it for as long as possible, since they get paid a percentage whether your account grows or not, and when they eventually give it back to you, they want to give back as little as possible. In 1943, to help pay for the war, the U.S. government passed the Current Tax Payment Act. This ensured that the government were paid before all employees. The money was taken directly out of their paychecks. In 1974, the Employee Retirement Income Security Act was passed, and the part that established the 401k was amended in 1978. In 1981, several months after Ted Banner designed his first 401k plan for his employer, The IRS issued proposed regulations on Section 401k that officially sanctioned pre-tax salary reductions. Qualified retirement plans were introduced to employees, as well as pay-deducting contributions directly from paychecks. Since then, Wall Street and Uncle Sam were paid before the employee that ever saw a cent of the money that he earned. The next one is a fun one that should get uh, some blood boiling, or at least just make you think for a second. I think the stock market is a Ponzi scheme. So a Ponzi or pyramid scheme is a scam in which people are persuaded to invest through promises of unusually high returns with early investors paid the returns out of the money put in by later investors. Investors that get out early during bull markets usually profit handsomely while the herd of investors that enter the market late lose badly. So if you're investing in a qualified retirement plan, your contributions are automatically allocated to certain mutual funds. People in these vehicles are usually the ones losing the most money in market corrections or crashes, while the professional investors not in them can move unrestricted in and out with a lot more flexibility in the markets with their profits intact. With requirement minimum distributions at age 70 and a half in these retirement plans, People are forced to sell their mutual funds and withdraw money out of their plans, as I've already hammered on this point. 
So they need the new money flowing into the market when they need to sell their mutual funds. If there's no new buyers, because in markets there's buyers and sellers, right? If there's no new buyers and only a large number of sellers, the market collapses like it could potentially with 78 million baby boomers taking required minimum distributions over the next 18 years. The current financial structure enables a steady flow of money into the, the pool, which we estimate around $25 trillion, in retirement accounts, twice a month actually, from retirement plan participants. So because mutual funds and retirement plan coordinators are paid a percentage of assets under management, AUM, the compensation model, regardless of whether they provide a decent return for the investors, isn't this just another form of institutionalized theft? What are you paying for? And why are you sometimes paying double-dip fees and commissions? Think about it. They really don't have to do much to skim money from this huge pool of money. Whether investors in retirement accounts and mutual funds make money or lose money, Wall Street gets paid. Wall Street is the main contributor to both political parties. They spend millions of dollars in lobbying, and then they spend millions of dollars in media advertisement. Wall Street has infiltrated regulatory agencies, and no leader seems to have the courage to put them in line. There's a revolving door also between Wall Street, regulatory agencies, and government. If you have read the news even poorly over the last 15 years, you would have witnessed one banking scandal after another, whether it's LIBOR, high-frequency trading, drug money laundering, precious metals price fixing, or the Forex scandal. These are corrupt, immoral, and fraudulent institutions. Do you feel comfortable trusting these characters with your money for 30 years? Your money is picked at daily like a carcass by these vultures through shenanigans like late trading, market timing, insider trading, front running, high frequency trading, and inflating stock prices. We've seen government tricks like Rule 48 and the Plunge Protection Team coming in and manipulating markets daily. A movie that every single person should watch is Inside Job. It's narrated by Matt Damon. That'll get your blood boiling. The last point that I'll make is that qualified retirement plans encourages unconscious investing. You know, We've heard this saying before, but you shouldn't invest in anything that you don't know anything about or that you don't understand, but we do exactly that through these plans. What do you know about your plan and the mutual funds in your plan? What stocks are in those mutual funds? What's going on in those companies and their boards and executives? You could be invested in a company that's using slave labor or a business that's not aligned with your religious or moral values. If you can't answer how these companies are solving problems, adding value, or providing a service to people, you're trying to get something for nothing, and really that's gambling. And I'll end off with saying that the whole system is so complicated, even the father of the modern 401k admitted to this and claimed that it has failed Americans. And that's our show for today, guys. Thank you for putting up with my rant. That's my honest opinion and just through the research that I've done through it. Obviously, I've quoted a lot of other folks in there and resources that I came across through researching this. I will make those available in the show notes. But please, again, research this on your own. Take a look into it and think for yourself and form your own opinion. And if you have a 401k, please take a look into it too. Know what's in there. Know where all your money's at. Take responsibility and empower yourself through financial education. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. 
You have been listening to the Cash Flow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, CashflowNinja.com. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.